48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Chief Executive-elect John Lee asked the High Court to spare him from punishment for failing to submit copies of consent for election ads on time to election officials. Hong Kong reports 558 new COVID infections, including 257 confirmed using PCR tests. And a patient's rights group demands the government suspend its plan to extend its vaccine pass requirement to healthcare facilities. Hong Kong's next chief executive, John Lee, has asked the High Court to spare him from punishment over his failure to submit copies of consent for election advertisements on time to the Electoral Affairs Commission. Timmy Sung reports. According to a writ filed by the incoming Hong Kong leader, he failed three times in April to submit the documents within the time specified when running for the top job and asked the court to exempt him from punishment. Offenders face a maximum penalty of a $5,000 fine and six months imprisonment. Under election laws, the court may grant relief of poll advertisements if it is satisfied that the act was due to inadvertence and accidental miscalculation or any reasonable cause and was not due to bad faith, and believes it to be just that the act be so accepted. The Secretary for Justice has been named respondent in the case. Health authorities have reported 558 new COVID infections, including 257 found via PCR tests and just over 300 rat-positive cases that have now been confirmed by laboratory tests. Meanwhile, the Centre for Health Protection said it detected 14 cases that might be carrying the new Omicron subvariant. Aaron Tam reports. Officials say they couldn't find the source of infection for some of the BA.2.12.1 cases, including a 52-year-old woman who lives in the same block in Tai Kuxing as an earlier patient, a family of three who live in Taiping Estate in Shengshui, and a 46-year-old woman who lives in Zhangquano. Chuang Shuquan from the Center for Health Protection said they've found about a dozen transmission chains in the community that involve the subvariant and that the symptoms of all the cases are mild, similar to the BA.2.2 subvariant. She added that, based on the experience of other countries, the subvariant is more transmissible, but the seriousness of symptoms isn't much different. Meanwhile, 87 schools have reported 94 cases with positive rapid test results involving 61 students and 33 teachers. 63 of the latest cases were imported. A patient's rights group has demanded the government suspend its plan to extend its vaccine pass requirement to government and hospital authority outpatient clinics. Hong Kong Patients Voices says the move goes against the government's policy of providing the population with a public health care safety net. It says some patients haven't been able to get medical proof they're unsuitable for vaccination and poor health makes it difficult for them to go for a PCR test as required. But the chairman of another patient's group disagrees. Here's Chan Kin Ping from Rare Disease Hong Kong. As to my contacts with most rare disease patients, I have not heard about the difficult to get the medical proof if they are not appropriate to be vaccinated. The patients have the right to get medical service uh, in the hospital authority or government clinics. However, you know, in every jurisdiction, there is uh, rules or regulations to govern, including the public health. So I don't think this measure is back to the patients to get uh, medical service. 
Former legislator Leung Yu Chung has been sentenced to two weeks in prison for disrupting a LegCo meeting in 2019 after pleading guilty to violating the legislature's powers and privileges ordinance. West Kowloon Court heard that Leung and seven other then lawmakers disrupted a meeting scrutinising the government's extradition bill in May 2019. Mr Leung was charged with assaulting, obstructing or molesting a LegCo member within the precincts of the chamber. To the weather forecast, cloudy to overcast with occasional showers and squally thunderstorms. Showers will be heavy at times tomorrow. Temperatures in the region of 25 to 28 degrees with moderate to fresh south to southwesterly winds. The outlook, heavy showers and squally thunderstorms in the next few days. Currently the observatory, 25 degrees Celsius, humidity 96%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to 5 minutes past 11. The government has announced it will recognise medical qualifications from 23 more universities outside of Hong Kong. Among them is Shanghai's Fudan University, as Frank Young reports. The scheme, introduced to ease a manpower shortage, allows non-locally trained doctors from recognised universities to practice in Hong Kong's public health care system without taking a local licensing exam. Fifty universities are now on the recognized list compiled by the government-appointed Special Registration Committee. Fudan University is the first mainland institution to be added. But DAB lawmaker Edward Leung hopes more mainland medical schools will be included in future batches, as he believes their graduates will be more inclined to come and practice in Hong Kong. For the 50 universities, there's only one mainland university, and the rest are some top universities in other countries, for example, in the UK or in the US, and they already are very well paid in their country, and their housing cost in their country is a lot lower than Hong Kong, and therefore we are hoping that for the coming list, for the rest of the 50 universities, we can have more universities from the mainland, so that we can have more doctors from the mainland to come to Hong Kong because it is more attractive to the mainland doctors rather than comparing to the US or the UK doctors. The government says the Special Registration Committee is pressing ahead with the assessment of other non-local medical programs, adding that qualifications which fulfill its stipulated criteria won't be excluded during the process. The new list will take effect on Friday when it's gazetted before it's submitted to the Legislative Council for review next week. Legislators have been debating scrapping the MPF offsetting mechanism, though the bill is not expected to be voted on until tomorrow. Sharp divisions have emerged over the proposed changes first mooted more than a decade ago. Violet Wong reports from LegCo. Under the bill, employers will no longer be able to use their mandatory contributions to workers' MPF accounts to pay them out for laying them off or for long service payments. Federation of Trade Unions lawmaker Dennis Lang supports the bill he joined his party mates in petitioning for the legislation, noting that the idea of cancelling the offsetting mechanism was first floated some 10 years ago. Mr. Long said it will better protect workers, noting that around $60 billion from their funds have been offset for their redundancy and long service payments since the establishment of the MPF system over two decades ago. He said the burden for bosses would not be huge because the administration is planning to roll out a 25-year subsidy scheme to help them meet the extra costs. 
The government has pledged to provide a subsidy of $33.2 billion for the business sector. So over a 25-year period, bosses only need to fork out a maximum of $3,000 to make the payments per employee in the first three years. The rest will be subsidized by the government, so the business sector need not worry that their operating costs will surge in the next 25 years. The textiles and garment sector lawmaker Sunny Tan says he's against the abolition of the offsetting mechanism. He said businesses backed the implementation of the MPF system in 1998 because the mechanism allowed employers to use their contributions to MPF accounts to make redundancies and long service payments. He said now was the wrong time to make employers bear higher costs. Abolishing the offsetting arrangement would erode our healthy business environment. The abolition of the offsetting arrangement would increase the cost of business over the long run and create irreversible damage for our enterprises. The financial commitments by the government could not offset the rise in business costs at the end of the period. Despite the 25-year subsidy period, cost of business is rising every year. Liberal Party Chairman Peter Xu agrees. He said his party's lawmakers would likely vote against the bill, saying policies that incur extra costs for employers as the economy struggles under the pandemic could cause some businesses to vote. Mr. Shiel said the worker-employer relationship could also be affected if the offsetting mechanism is cancelled, saying unscrupulous bosses might dismiss workers to avoid long-service payments, while some employees might try to get fired on purpose for the payments. PricewaterhouseCoopers has forecast that the total amount of funds raised through initial public offerings here could plunge by up to half this year. The financial services firm says it expects some 80 companies to raise about $180 billion through public listings in Hong Kong. That's down from more than $330 billion last year. PwC's Benson Wong said ongoing global economic uncertainties make it hard to predict IPO rankings, but he's cautiously optimistic about a stronger second half of the year for the SAR. We believe that like, since the reform of the listing rules a few years ago, now what we have been seeing is more like a diversified categories in terms of the industries, like the people, the companies are coming over to list in Hong Kong. So in the second half of the year, while well, we will be like expecting to see like the TMT sector, hopefully we will see the financial sector as well. But on and on top of that, like we will be continue to see like the normal like industrial and retail and consumer sectors listing in Hong Kong. The World Bank has cut its growth forecast for China this year and warned that COVID disruptions could slow recovery in the world's second largest economy. Beijing says it will boost operational efficiency at Chinese ports to improve trade with the rest of the world. Aaron Tan reports. Speaking at a press conference in Beijing, Vice Commerce Minister Wang Shouwen said domestic logistics efficiency has declined and supply chains have slowed to a certain degree. He said soaring raw material prices have put firms involved with global trade under pressure. His comments follow the release of figures last month, showing that export growth had slowed to single digits in April, the weakest in almost two years. 
Mr. Wang said China will make port operations more efficient and hold more online trade fairs among new measures to ease pressure on foreign trade. The announcement came as the World Bank sharply slashed its annual growth forecast for China, warning that COVID disruptions could slow its recovery. It also cut its forecast for global growth this year, warning that the Ukraine war and the pandemic mean many less developed countries face a major recession. It said there was a real risk that stagflation, a combination of high inflation and low growth, could return for the first time since the 1970s. David Malpass is the bank's president. As we think back on the 70s, it was similar in that there was this sharpness. So it was a multiple shocks. But the dollar and the pound and the the major currencies are not particularly weak in the current environment, and the banks are not particularly weak. So I think we can think of it severe like the 1970s, but with different characteristics that may hit the developing countries particularly hard. The World Bank is now projecting growth in China to slow to 4.3 percent this year. That's down 0.8 percentage points from its December forecast. Turning overseas, the Russian foreign minister has denied that the war in Ukraine is causing a global food crisis, despite soaring prices driven by the collapse of Ukrainian exports. Speaking after a meeting in Ankara with his Turkish counterpart, Mevlut Kabusoglu, who's trying to broker an agreement to unblock grain shipments from Ukrainian ports. Mr Lavrov blamed Kyiv for the food crisis. No, to resolve this problem, we need one thing, for the Ukrainians to allow access to their ports, either by the mining or the provision of safe corridors. Nothing more is required. But the head of the European Council, Charles Michel, has rejected Russia's position as a web of lies. He said Russia was threatening global food security. Russia is using food as a weapon of war, stealing grain, blockading ports and turning farmlands into battlefields. There are over 20 million tons of grain stuck in Ukraine. This is disrupting global food security, driving up prices and causing global famine. One person has been killed and more than 12 injured, some of them seriously, after a car hit a crowd of people in central Berlin. Reports say the vehicle was travelling at high speed when it veered off the road and hit several pedestrians on the pavement before crashing into a shop window. Police have detained the driver, but they say it's not clear whether or not he'd acted deliberately. The actor John Barrowman was nearby when the incident occurred. The police presence is unbelievable. They are clearing out the area, but it was cordoned off. I heard the bang and the crash when we were in a store and then we came out and we just saw the carnage. And there's helicopters coming in now to airlift people. There's a lot of people walking uh, with limps and injuries. And in sports news, the Hong Kong football team has gotten off to a winning start in their Asian Cup qualifying campaign. Goals by Wong Wai and Matt Orr gave the SAR a 2-1 victory over Afghanistan in their Group D match in Kolkata. And that's the new sports and weather from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 
mist-covered mountains Are home now for me When my home is the Fools to make one on our brothers and arms. 